0: Welcome to Buddha at the Gas Pump. My name is Rick Archer. Buddha at the Gas Pump is an ongoing series of conversations with spiritually awakening people. We've done nearly 700 of them now. If this is new to you and you'd like to check out previous ones, go to batgap.com, B-A-T-G-A-P.com, and look under the Past Interviews menu. This program is made possible through the support of Appreciative Listeners and viewers. So if you appreciate it and would like to help support it, there are PayPal buttons on the website. My guest today is Deborah Martin. Deborah lives in Arizona. She's a world re- renowned intuitive healer and international research lab certified medium with the Windbridge Institute Center. I interviewed Julie Beichel some time back who is one of the heads of that center. And I think Gary Schwartz, who works with her, has set up a testing procedure for ascertaining the reliability of mediums, how accurate they actually seem to be. And I get the impression that Deborah passed that test with flying colors. She's a spiritual coach, a survivor of three near-death experiences, cancer, and an author of six books. Her most recent book, which I read is called Proof of Miracles. She also has one called Doctors Faith and Courage. Deborah had her third near death experience in 2012, where she had an out of body experience and a conversation with God, I'll be asking her about that. From this experience, her mediumship abilities heightened and she was given the gift to heal. Deborah has developed a healing technique which is not being done anywhere else in the world. In 2013, the Logos Church ordained her as a healing minister due to the healing miracles they were witnessing. And a lot of those healings are discussed in her book. She is a motivational speaker and has been on many radio shows. So, welcome, Deborah. Oh,
1: welcome. I'm so happy to be on. Thank you, Rich, for having me.
0: Oh, you're welcome. I often like to ask people if they look back at their childhood, like, you know, when they're four or five, six years old. Was there anything unusual about them, which now looking back, might have been a precursor to some kind of interest in or development of spirituality later on? And the answer is not necessarily yes, but a surprising number of people I've interviewed had something when they were kids.
1: Yes, I did. When I was about four years old before kindergarten, Mm -hmm. I would see faces come to me at night. And the faces would be rather large, like in my face as I'm laying there. (laughs) So that's scary, right? It's like, who are you? And I can always remember saying, mom, I can't sleep. Can I come downstairs? No, Deborah, go back to bed. It wasn't something you could talk about because how do I explain what I'm seeing? I didn't even understand it myself. But I do remember in order to get them to go away, I would turn to my side and I had a wooden dresser and I would just kind of sketch with my finger, like dig in the wood the beginning letter of their name.
0: They had a name.
1: Yeah, they would say like I would say like, "Well, who are you?" They you might say Steve.
0: So you'd start writing an S, and then yeah, just
1: to take my mind off of seeing him, and then I wouldn't give no more attention to it. So that fear, that's mm-hmm. fear, that kind of closed everything down. Like I don't want to see you, I don't want to be around you, and you just kind of shut that off. Especially going to kindergarten, and then you start to have an outside world and all of a sudden you become in tune with all of those things coming and going around in your mind that you don't allow anything else in.
0: Yeah. You don't want the kids to think you're weird. I mean, it'd be interesting if we lived in a society where this kind of thing was understood and considered normal. I wonder how that would affect kids development and what the whole society might be, how it might be different than it is now.
1: Well, I think we have opened up. I mean, before it was, nobody even called people mediums, right? Like that was just not unknown. And now people are getting tested like I did just to see, is this real? Is this really something that's that's happening? Mm -hmm. And then as you are enlightened, you are opening your children up. You're allowing them just to express without having any fear or concern of what they're saying. You just embrace it.
0: You have kids, right? I do. How old are they?
1: They all have children themselves, except for my youngest who's in college.
0: very young looking grandma. What do your kids think of all this?
1: Well, it's been interesting. It's been an interesting journey. One of my sons has the abilities and he used them in high school. In fact, they did a TV show on teen medium. And then he went into the science world. And he got his PhD. And so he kind of keeps it off to the side. I don't want to dabble in it, but it's always there. So he has it if he chooses to use it. I think they're open to it. They love what I'm doing because they know that I'm on this path with my mission and I'm following my mission. And to them, even if they live in in reality, right, they're always living in the, how do I want to say this business world? And they don't live in the spiritual world at all. They look at me like, wow, she embraces and that's integrity. Like they look up to that. I'm willing to remove everything else to do this work.
0: That's great. Do you think this kind of thing tends to run in families?
1: I do. I do. I do think so.
0: I wonder what it is. It's probably not so much genetic as it is a soul group kind of a thing where, you know, like attracts like and birds of a feather stick together and all that. huh?
1: Yeah. Well, my father, when my mother passed, he kind of went through a depression. I can remember him saying to me, you know, I had a conversation with your mom in the car. She was sitting next to me. And I thought at that time I was like, okay, but I see where it came from. And he was from Austria. And they say that a lot of great mediums come from Austria. That's interesting.
0: I didn't know that. Yeah. I have a good friend who's the uh, great nephew of Harry Houdini and has done a bunch of narrated TV shows and stuff about Houdini. And one thing you probably know about Houdini is that he was really interested in this, but he really wanted it to be real. And he was testing people for many years and he was never quite satisfied. So what is it about the windbridge procedure that makes their testing reliable to a significant degree that Houdini didn't have access to?
1: It used to be the Veritas Center with Dr. Gary Schwartz and Dr. Julie Beisel. And they came up with a protocol that was a quadruple blind experiment. So you can go on the WinbridgeInstitute.org and read about how rigorous it was. In fact, when Julie went on her own and Gary went one way, she decided to still go after the mediums and study the mediums. So I followed her and she will say to you, we can't pass everyone. It's really hard to get certified. And the good thing about that is it gives me the backbone to go, I have science behind me.
0: Because you passed.
1: Because I passed. Yeah.
0: What did you do that enabled you to pass the test?
1: Oh, there were lots of steps, lots of steps. I can't really explain it in the best detail. So it's better that you read it the way she wrote it up. I can give you a little idea. She would have. Let's say the sitter, the person that lost the loved one. Now she wouldn't know who that person is, so she would have another sign that would know that person. Then another person would email me it. So you have nobody I could read any energy off of that email that knew something about that loved one. So
0: what right? would you get? Just a name or something?
1: I would get a male.
0: It's a man. That's all that you would get.
1: Yes, and wow. so then they That's they want major. you to know. They <laughs> want you to tell. Is there a message for their loved one? What did they do for a living? Can you describe them? What did they look like? What's their height? What's their personality like? Everything that you can bring forth. And you're doing that on your end. Mm -hmm. And the tricky part is writing it out because receiving it's easy. But when I'm writing it, you have to write like, well, he came through and said this, but I also got a vision like this. And that's the combination of what I received. And then you write how it all came through. And then when she scores it, it's given to the sitter. But my session, along with another medium session, the sitter is getting two. And she has to see which one is hers. And so the sitter will rank it, say, okay, this is my reading. This is my loved one. And she ranks it and scores it. And then you have to go through the next step of actually talking and having a live reading with her over the phone without seeing her. So, yeah, there's a lot of steps to
0: it. What do you think are the actual subtle mechanics of how this works? Like if somebody called me in the phone and said, it's a man, I would get nothing. I wouldn't be able to explain anything. I could sit there all day. Are you connecting somehow with your subtle body or how would you explain the mechanics of this?
1: Well, it's interesting because since I've learned that way with working with Dr. Gary Schwartz and Dr. Julie Beischel is the relationship. A lot of mediums say, I don't want to know anything. Well, I've done that before. And then you get the loudest loved one on the other side. And they're like, well, I didn't really want to talk to my grandma. Right? And I'm like, well, that's the one that was the loudest. So I'll say, well, what's the relationship of the loved one you want to speak with? Let's have a direct connect. So then I will go into meditation hours before so their day is their day if I do a reading so I will sit and say show me show me some signs I'll take a walk with them I'll see if I can smell them they might come in my dreams the night before and just allow anything and all to come through from that loved one
0: so do you think that perhaps the way this works is that people on the other side have such a broader range of perceptual capabilities that if somebody or other wants to contact them through someone like you, they become aware of it as if a light was shining or a phone was ringing or something, and they say, "Okay, this lady here is gonna has the ability. She's gonna try to contact me," and then they kind of zero in and connect with you so that all this information starts coming through.
1: Yes, and I also believe that their loved one's the one that guided them.
0: Their deceased loved one
1: their loved one on the other side, their deceased loved one knew of me and guided them to oh, find to get me. in touch with you. Mm-hmm. So see. they started the process. It's kind of interesting to always ask, well, how did you find me? And then you go, oh yeah, see how it all connects. Yeah. So I believe that they hear us. It's like an antenna, right? They're like, okay, that person down there can hear me really, really well. And, and there's so many different mediums. So I always say, well, they're going to find the one that they like. Are you more compassionate or are you more like in your face? I'm going to tell you what it is. So they'll find the one that works best for them as well.
0: You know, uh, Father Nathan Castle? I don't. I interviewed him a couple of years ago. He's a priest. And one day out of the blue or one night out of the blue, he had this vivid dream that somebody was burning or something, sitting on the radiator, radiator of a car and burning and he didn't know what that was. But it turned out, uh, long story short, he ended up developing the ability to help stuck souls cross over. And there was some guy who had actually been in an accident where he was burned like that. But once he got rolling with this, he has become deluged with requests because there are not too many people who do that. you know. And somehow the word spreads or somehow they're able to <laughs> t- tune in on his existence and uh, elicit his help.
1: I think the Spirit's like, hey, this guy can help you. Go here. It's kind of like how we connect. Right. They're connecting. They're all talking. They're all connecting. Yeah. It's fascinating. I think it's, our worlds are so blended.
0: They have they sort really of are. Yelp in heaven or something where they rank the restaurants or rather the mediums. <laughs> <laughs> it's interesting. What's that, I read? Help instead
1: of Yelp.
0: Help instead of Yelp.
1: And I have a priest, too, that I had worked with. His name was Father William Tracy, He was the world's oldest priest, Roman Catholic priest, and he lived in Seattle. He just recently passed, but he had read my books and he requested that I come see him. So I went and met him and it was so fascinating because here I was on my spiritual journey my way, and he was on his spiritual journey of 78 years of priesthood his way. And when we met, he's like, we come together on the same platform. And it was like, he goes, one world, one love.
0: Yeah. Mom and it was,
1: it was just beautiful, just beautiful. And it almost expanded my wings almost to say like, because here I have this person that's really well known with God and religion mm-hmm. and he's honoring me. It was just like, we were one in the same. It was beautiful.
0: Yeah. The way I see it is all these people I interview, People like you, and it's like one big team. But people play different positions on the team according to their capabilities, which is like a baseball team. You have a shortstop and an outfielder, and so on. I interview people. You do mediumship. So and so is a scientist, and so and so is a, is an Advaita teacher. But there's this overall multi-pronged effort or process whereby collective consciousness is rising in the world.
1: We all work together to raise that vibration. Yeah, 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 hmm. and we need each other. Yeah, Mm
0: -hmm. for sure. All right. So then obviously we talked about when you were a little kid and, and then you moved on. So in your adult life, when was the first time that something of this nature began to dawn?
1: Well, at the time when I was married, I was just engaged. The night before, I had this car accident and I was en route to go visit my friend that needed some spiritual guidance. So I was driving a Honda with four doors, Honda Accord. And on my way, I turned the car into the left turn bay and I was just sitting there waiting for traffic so I could go into the neighborhood. And I was, as I was sitting there, I didn't know anything. I didn't have a premonition. And with that car accident, a man came in a diabetic seizure and he hit my car at 65 miles an hour and spun me into oncoming traffic. Wow. Wow. That one, I immediately, an impact, I was out of my body, and I was looking down at my body. Now I'm watching everything transpire, and I feel this great, big being behind me. Hmm. And I just heard the words, are you ready? And at that moment, I said, no, life's too good, right? And I was a mom of three kids at the he time. He meant
0: ready to die. and are move Right. On. Are yeah. you ready
1: to stay here? I knew what that meant. And I said, no, but I'm not going to survive that. I saw a truck carrying a tractor and he was going to come right on top of me. I said, I'm just not going to survive that. There's no way out. And instantly I was in the backseat of my now crunched car. There was no doors, all windows out. Everything in the car was out in the streets. And I'm in the backseat of this little part of this pocket. I remember the police officer coming to my door going, we're sorry. We're sorry. We were on pursuit to get him off the road. But there was a gentleman standing next to him. And this was so key because they go, sir, are you okay? And he's like, no, I'm not okay. Because what just happened, I can't explain. Somebody took my steering wheel at the last second. I should have crushed her. And I went to on, into oncoming traffic. And I don't know how that happened. When he said those words, it was like a download whoa, I saw that. That was actually my second one because my actual first car accident was when divine intervention came and that started my mediumship. Take that back. The first one was opening the door to spirituality. What is mediumship? What is this all about? Seeing divine intervention. Is this, Does this exist? The second one, that's when I got tested with Dr. Julie Beishel and Dr. Gary Schwartz. I was just thinking, how did that happen? I'm now hearing voices. They're getting very loud. And is this real?
0: So the guy with the steering wheel, obviously, what you're saying there is that some guardian angel of yours or something caused his steering wheel to go like that. So he didn't go slam into you. Yes. And he didn't even have an accident, even though it was steered into oncoming traffic. Somehow it worked out. So that's interesting. And I've heard so many stories about this, that there's some kind of intervention from some non-corporeal being at the time of a situation like this, and that they're there just when they're needed and do something and the person survives or communicates with them. It's all very interesting.
1: It was like a snap of the finger. As soon as I said, I'm not ready, it was like, boom, everything just went back. You know, as much as it shifted me, I'm sure it shifted him as well. Shifted whom? The driver that was supposed to Oh, the
0: driver, yeah, because it Mm -hmm. was like, what happened? (laughs) So you're saying then this was your second car accident and NDE, but you're saying that it was the first one that actually kickstarted your interests or your abilities. In, in
1: yeah. This. So that happened the same night that um, Princess Diana had her car accident wow. and I was out with two other girlfriends and we were hanging out with some other friends and we saw that on the news, what just transpired. And, you know, that just kind of shook everybody where you're glued to the screen. So when it was time to go home. It was probably around midnight. I didn't want to get in the car and it was a sports car where i would have to climb into the back seat. They're like, Debra, you're overreacting from what you just saw on TV." At that time i didn't even know what a premonition was, but i had this strong knowing It's like i'm not supposed to get in this car. Well, i did, and as we were on the freeway coming home, all of a sudden i had another premonition that we were going to get hit. And it wasn't it was so quick that you couldn't think about it. All i could think of, "No." not now right i'm a mother of 3 kids single not now right when i said no not now this big utility truck that didn't have any windows came from the fast lane and hit us and we spun out and took 40 feet of guardrail out and came wow. face and then we came facing traffic now the whole car is crushed we can't get out i'm once again in the back seat of that little car and We're panicking like, oh, my gosh, like these cars are going to come towards us. Are we going to get hit? How do we get out? We can't get out. And someone came to our rescue and opened the doors so effortless, picked each one of us up, carried us to the embankment, put us way far away from the road. And he kissed me. He kissed me on the forehead. He said, you know, I'll see you again. I go, no, 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 no. And I'm wearing the ring today. I was like, this ring It's bleeding and it's pressed into my finger. It really, really hurts. Can you help me take it off? Well, he took my bloody finger, put it in his mouth. I have his teeth marks, so I know they're real. And took it off and handed it to me.
0: Bent the ring into his normal shape again. Yeah. Yeah. And if you
1: even try to push on it, like anybody, even try to push on it, like your whole body, you can't bend this ring. Interesting. So... He said, I will see you again. And now all the fire trucks are coming. We probably had like five ambulances, two fire trucks, you know, the whole bit. And I looked to the right. And when I looked to the left, he was gone. And no one ever saw him.
0: And yet you and two others were physically carried to the side of the road by this person. I wonder if there had been a webcam, or not a webcam, you know, those surveillance cameras they have everywhere these days. I wonder if that would have recorded a person picking you up and carrying you over or if it would have like you <laughs> we tried everything. magically floated over.
1: <laughs> <laughs> we tried everything. Like, where did he come from? There was no car, no witnesses. We had other cars that pulled over. And
0: your companions afterwards. were told, aware of him, too. Obviously, they they felt themselves being carried over.
1: Oh, yeah. My one friend, she had broke her her leg. She couldn't move, so he couldn't carry her too far. So, um, yes, it was. And and the car was totaled. Interesting. Both cars.
0: Now, the skeptic would just say, well, this is some strong guy who just showed up, pulled (laughs) the doors open, carried the ladies over and then split.
1: (laughs) And we kept asking for him, like when we're
0: in the hospital,
1: where's that guy? You know, where did he go? They're like, there was no one. Yeah. There was no one.
0: And what you're implying is this is, again, some kind of guardian angel thing or something like that. Yeah. Even and, the ring is strong evidence. Anybody who's watching this, Deborah will send you a replica of the ring that's bent, and you can try to straighten it with your teeth to see if it's possible.
1: <laughs> yeah, right. It's. I have pictures in my book, too. Yeah. It shook me to, like, what just happened? But then I had to go on that exploring. I would go to conferences. Are the angels real? Do they really exist? Can they help you? Is there divine intervention? What's precognition? What does that mean? Was I being told not to get in the car? Was this supposed to happen? Like there was so much and it just kind of like enlightenment and the whole awakening started.
0: Right. Followed the breadcrumbs and one thing led to the next.
1: Yeah. And I guess maybe I didn't listen loud enough. They were trying to open my mediumship. And so I got another car accident that woke me up. Um, not that I want to say everybody has to go through trauma to get there.
0: No, but obviously there are many things that wake people up, spiritual practices, car accidents, sudden out-of-body experiences for some reason. Like I've interviewed a woman who nearly drowned when she was just four years old or something, had this profound out-of-body experience and that got her going. There so many things, psychedelics these days, but for some people... You got to go through the school of hard knocks, I like guess, and have, <laughs> have car accidents.
1: <laughs> well, and they, they taught me a lot. You know, you have to kind of look at the lessons we go through, the trauma we go through, and what lessons do they bring? Yeah. That's a big one that happened with my big NDE of
0: 121.12. That was your third one? Mm-hmm. Okay. What happened with that one?
1: So that one, I was being seen at Mayo Clinic. I was really, really sick, and they couldn't diagnose me, and I was down to 90 pounds. I was in a fetus position in my bed. I could not get out of bed. If I tried to drink a teeny bit of water or a teeny bit of cracker, I was doubled over as if I was having labor pains for 24 hours. Wow! If I did eat anything, I didn't have any control of my bowels. So I was losing my dignity, right? So at that time I was saying, God, I'm ready. Please just take me. I have no quality of life, so you can see where people are just like, okay, I'm done. And I had a child that was in third grade living at home, so for me to say I was ready to leave her, that's a pretty big statement. But I was. I knew that she would be better off than me laying in bed in pain, right? So one morning on one twenty one twelve, I saw spiritual surgeons come into my room. As a medium, you see people. So seeing them in scrubs wasn't something that I was afraid of. It wasn't like, okay, what is this? What's going to happen? So I thought, okay, well, they're here to help me. Well, as they started working on me, it became very painful. Very, very painful.
0: Okay, now wait a minute. So these guys that came in, they had scrubs on. But they weren't ordinary human beings, you're saying. They were some kind of higher beings that came into the room, and you recognized them as spiritual surgeons. And if there had been a nurse in the room, she probably wouldn't have seen them. Is that all correct?
1: Correct. Spiritual surgeons as in a spirit coming in a surgical outfit.
0: Did they look like normal humans, but just somewhat they ethereal do. or they something? Do. Could you see through them?
1: No, they look like normal people, but I wasn't too much, I wasn't really concentrating too much on the actual being. Gross appearance, yeah. Because they were started to work on me and became really, really painful. It was all in my abdomen. So I can remember them going into my abdomen. And I can remember just wanting to scream in pain. I was like, I know I have to go through this, but I don't know if I can. So the best way I could was let's just remove my mind from my body right now. And by doing that, it's like, I'm just going to calm my mind. I'm going to concentrate on my breathing. I'm going to take a deep breath in. And as I took a deep breath in and I let it out, I was out of my body. I Observing
0: was, from the ceiling or something? Or?
1: I was just disconnected. I was not in any pain and I could feel myself now floating up. And I was like, okay, I like this. And so as I was going up, I was surrounded in white light when I came to a stop, it was like almost as if you're on a plane and you look outside and you see all the clouds. And I'm like, they're going, okay, I'm here all by myself. Now what, right? Is this just where I'm supposed to stay while they heal me? Like, I don't know. I'm just standing here. And then all of a sudden I seen this beautiful beam of light coming towards me. Now, when I say beam of light, it's not a light that we have seen before. It's this beautiful, bright light, and it starts coming towards me, coming towards me. And I see these hands. And before I know it, I'm now seeing my body being held by this being. And I'm like, okay, I'm witnessing this. It took me a while to figure out, like, my spirit was watching my body being held.
0: Were you seeing your emaciated 90-pound body being held like that?
1: Yeah. I could tell I was really, really sick. Okay. And so I followed And we went to a space where he, she, it put me on this beam of light. There was a glass coffin next to it. And I wanted to try that glass coffin. I'm like, that's like Snow White. Can I go sit in it and try it out? Right. But I was told, no, we're going to go over to this other space and we're going to have a conversation. And I said, well, why do we have to go in this dome? Why do we have to go in there? And he's like, because this is for me to have a conversation with you, not for anyone else in the universe to hear. So when I had my conversation, it was like sitting at a table and I could feel the being right here, the divine. And there was like a scroll, like like my life plan right in front of me. You couldn't read it all, but I just read the bottom. And I was told all things are reversible and you need to go back. And I said, but I don't want to go back. This is safe. I'm healthy. Can I just see my parents? It's like, no, you see your parents, you won't go back. No. And I said, okay. So I'm kind of bartering because there were like some words on the paper and one of them said health. And I said, well, health doesn't mean anything to me. I need to say healthy. (laughs) So I I saw it change. And by signing the contract, I was told that I would be a voice. And I was thinking, well, voice means mediumship. So you
0: signed the contract.
1: I signed the contract and I, I heard... Look at the date 12112. All numbers are reversible, and so is this. And so I said, Well, can I just stay for a little while? And he's like, No, you need to go back. And I was like, But I feel so much better right here. He's like, You need to go back. You're on borrowed time here. You need to go back. And I can remember when I went back, it was like coming back into the body, almost like a mattress that's being deflated, right? You can see the flow of the mattress. And then When I took a breath, it's like coming up from being held underwater like that. And at that moment when I went, I was like, what just happened? And no more spiritual surgeons were in the room and everything just was calm. I
0: had an experience with something like that one time, but it wasn't like they were doing a surgery. It was more like some guy was stabbing my chakras with a trident of some sort or spear and it was agonizing. And I woke up from it a different person but uh, I don't want to talk about me. So I'm just maybe adding that to say that these things do happen to other people as well. Irene just passed a question. Was there ever a physical reason revealed for the 90 pound condition you were in it? Uh, Good question.
1: At, Cause I was going to
0: say Mayo or, or somebody else. Yeah.
1: No, they did not. And you know, we can get frustrated with that. People right. have diagnoses that people can't figure out. So I questioned that to spirit, to the divine, to God, whatever you want to call your God. And I said, why didn't I never find out the name? And I heard, because you would own it.
0: The name of the malady? What was
1: going on. So like, right. say I, I, I have a disease and now I own it. I'm going to say that was part of me. I'm going to keep that. I went through that. Now, not knowing it, it's never been a part of me.
0: So you got better after this. and I should think that the people at Mayo would have wondered what happened. What was it? How did she come out well, of it
1: It was hard at Mayo because Mayo was trying to do all these different tests,
0: but -hmm. they
1: weren't listening to me because they couldn't figure it out. And so afterwards, I ended up going back to them and saying, you know what, you want to bill me for all this money, but if I would have stayed under your care, I would have died. And they just, they washed it all away so that I wouldn't continue with it.
0: Interesting. Now, somewhere in your book, I heard you talking about having your pancreas squeezed out and also having some kind of rod put in your body. Was that this incident?
1: yes. Yes. It felt like as if there was this rod that went in. And think about a strawberry trying to go through a straw and you having to push that through. That's how much pain it was. Wow!
0: And so the rod was like in your spine or into your abdomen?
1: Well, I felt like it was going right into my right side. And so I say in the pancreas area without knowing that it was the pancreas.
0: Pancreas is on the left. Well,
1: it was here on the right
0: your livers over here but anyway it doesn't matter (laughs) i don't want to (laughs) i got it wrong (laughs) okay so now this being that you were sitting at the table with in the dome and signing the contract and all you identified that as god now my conception of god is all-pervading intelligence that you know surpasses the vastness of the universe and you know it's just omnipresent and all that business but then again you know there are many traditions that also speak of a personal manifestation or aspect of God that one could actually perceive and have a form and communicate with. So I'm the
1: right side of your body contains the head of the pancreas. So okay, she was right. Good,
0: you were right. Irene just looked it up, and the right—I guess the pancreas is kind of on the left, but it pokes over, it and the head—the he- head of it ends up on the right side as well. And that's
1: what I've always felt. So when yeah. you said that, I'm like. How could I be wrong? Like it's making me think like, how could I be wrong? Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> Thank you for doing that.
0: Yeah. So the tail of the pancreas is on the left side, but it goes across and the head of it comes over right. to the right side. All right, good. So you
1: don't know everything.
0: No, I didn't say I did. <laughs>
1: no, that's great though. That's good for the viewers to hear. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So anyway, how do you know this was God? What made you feel this was God? Do you feel like it was a sort of a personal representative or representation of god
1: first of all people always want to say well can you describe your god what did he look like and i'm like well it can come in many forms for us to recognize right that's how i feel so i'm not going to just say what i felt i what came to me is what i recognized and when i say recognized it was this immediate knowingness within my soul this immediate love connection that I felt that you can't feel here. You're just surrounded with so much love. And that came from that being. And so it, I know that that light and that love of that being is in each of us. We're born with that. And so there was no question. It was just like I was home. I was meeting the person that created me that was there.
0: Nice. Nice. So someone might think, well, maybe it was an angel or an archangel or something like that. But you're saying it was really sort of God in a form of some kind.
1: Well, it's interesting you asked that question, because I did too. Mm -hmm. And I said, well, how do I really know it was you, God? It's like, I'm the only one that can make that decision. He said that? Yeah.
0: That he was the only one who could make the decision for you to be healed and go back?
1: When you're going to pass, when you're not going to pass. He's the one in charge. So... It's not the angels that make that decision.
0: Okay. And of course, lots of people who have NDEs, almost all of them, it sounds like, meet some kind of being that says, no, it's not your time or you better come back. So do you think that that might be some kind of a form of God in every case? or, or Of course. Not some kind of gatekeeper, but not necessarily the big guy.
1: Exactly. Well, you know, we all take tasks, right? And if, yeah. if there's a lot going on, And he sends an angel down to be with you or to protect. I feel like he held me, an angel held me in that car that day. Yeah. I feel they're working. It's his team. So if they deliver the message, it's they're delivering the message. The message is coming from the higher source.
0: Yeah, it reminds you of the story of Jesus and the Roman centurion. You remember that story where the roman soldier who's an officer of some kind wanted jesus to help intercede with some family health emergency or something and, and jesus said okay well take me to your house and he said no no you don't have to go to my house i'm a commander of soldiers if i tell them to do something i don't have to go there they just do it and you have that kind of authority yourself over the spiritual realm so you don't have to physically go there just get it done
1: exactly and that's how it works in my healings too
0: tell us more about that
1: okay so I developed the healing by following what God wanted me to do. When I first started, I would see people in person and people distant. So at the logo center that I was ordained in, they had a Faraday cage. The Faraday cage had like a metal pyramid inside. Explain
0: to people what a Faraday cage is.
1: Faraday cage is the copper lining so that no outside interference can come in which was beautiful to start there because you know that anything that's being worked on in there, we felt like was the divine coming through. But what ended up happening is they sold the church and I said, are you kidding me? And I heard, well, it can't be about the room.
0: About the room. Oh, in other words, you shouldn't need a Faraday cage. Right. You don't need
1: a Faraday cage to do this. Right. But people were starting to believe that they were lining up.
0: Yeah, just like you don't need incense and fancy something or other in order order to meditate. You can just do it. Exactly. Do it on a bus. So that
1: was kind of like, okay, I get it. But anyway, so how my healings work is I do them all remotely right now because I find like when people are not there, it's even more powerful because, for instance, let me just kind of walk you through one. A lady contacts me. I know nothing about her. And I say, I just need your full body picture of you. We're going to have the session at 11 o'clock. It's going to happen on Tuesday. You live in another country, whatever time that is, you can rest. If you're sleeping, if you're working, whatever happens, I'm going to start at 11 my time. Now, if they can be present at the moment, it's amazing because they might feel the exact same things and see the exact same things I'm seeing on their end. Now, there's no right or wrong way to have a healing. They might feel nothing at all. I never know what they're going to feel. So now I have this woman and I go in, you know, this is her day and I kind of prep the room. And then I go back into the healing room and I say my prayers, basically saying, giving gratitude for what's going to transpire because I have no idea what's going to transpire. And then I open myself up as the instrument and vessel of the divine to work through me with spiritual surgeons to assist in healing this person. Now, when I heal, they may have needed a spiritual surgery. They might have emotional issues, physical issues. They might have a grief where they lost a loved one. God will take them on a spiritual journey. Well, they'll sometimes feel like they're out of body. Sometimes they'll feel like they're just visioning it in their mind when they listen to the recording afterwards. And they're taken to a space where they get to meet and embrace and be with their loved ones. And they physically can smell them. They physically can feel them and they have this conversation. Now, while this is all transpiring, because that's a lot that's going on, they're getting healing. They might be on a spiritual journey. They might have a spiritual surgeons in the room. I'm voicing everything that I'm seeing, feeling and doing through an audio recording. So when the session's complete. So on this woman, I said, so interesting. My right side feels higher than my left side. Hmm. We need to like kind of balance that out. And so voicing everything. And then it might come through that when you were a child, you had trauma. God showing me you were at age four when this took place and you were shamed. So now we're going to go to the space of hugging that four-year-old, telling her she's okay. Healing at the root issue. So that's all that happening. When I am all done with the session, I then send the recording to wherever they live through an email. Now they can listen to it. With that woman, what's fascinating is because I get to listen to the validations afterwards. I have no idea. It's like, okay, that was really interesting. And then you're sending it off, right? She said, had I been in the room with you, you would have noticed that I lost my left breast. And yes, this side is higher when I lay down. And so that's why it's so amazing to have them distant. I'm not picking up on you. I know nothing. Now, some people do want to tell me what they're going through. And that's okay too. I'll place that in my prayers prior, but I don't want to limit it to just that because there might be something else that's causing that. So we open our hearts or minds or soul to receive everything and all that they deserve. With that being said, I've seen beautiful miracles happening. And then I've also seen some that have not. And I'll be like, okay, I really, really thought that person was going to be healed. Well, you're not in charge. And I have to remember that this isn't about me. And so I don't know what each person's going to receive, but they're going to receive something. I did a healing. I think you might've read it in my book about Brenda. Brenda. She had a healing. I really thought that she was going to be healed and she had bile duct cancer and she was given like, like a month to live and she felt healed, completely healed. And she's like, should I still follow through with my funeral arrangements? And I said, it doesn't hurt to have them in place. So she got two weeks of feeling healed. But basically when I was feeling that I was throwing up bile on my end, I'm like, oh, they're working in this area. I'm going to throw up this bile she actually was throwing up bile at that same time. So that shows you how in sync the energy is. And she ended up passing, but she's come through Suzanne Giesman, because that's who sent her to me. And she works with her now and says, you know, I left with no baggage. I was healed. So I could transition so much easier. And, you know, there's been so many other sessions as well, where it's like mental illness gone. Lifted and he or she went through 20 years of therapy and even going into mental institutions, tried to commit suicide twice, and in one session, it's all gone. And I've had other clients too that have lost loved ones where I think I have a YouTube of her, she had discs. So the spiritual surgeons worked on her back. Well, during the surgery, her daughter in spirit came. So she describes that she saw this, the spiritual surgeon wearing the mask. She could said that it was a woman. And then she saw her daughter and heard her daughter and felt her daughter hold her hand. I mean, it's just so miraculous what happens in each session.
0: Well, there are a number of things in there I want to have you elaborate on. <laughs> One is that I, and I got this from your book also, that you often go through a lot of physical stuff while you're doing healings. Like you just mentioned throwing up bile and you mentioned many other things in your book does that take quite a toll on you having to experience something similar to what the people are suffering from?
1: It can during the, the session. Cause I I'm feeling the pain and I've started to burp. I can feel the elevation changing right here. The frequency when they start to work on me, I call it a blessing because when I feel the pain, I can't deny that that's where that pain's taken place. And that's where those spiritual surgeons are working. When the session's complete, I always say it's no longer a part of me. But with that said, your body still went through it. So you could be tired. Some of the hard ones I've had to lay down for the remainder of the day. So I'll only do one session a day. But then sometimes there might be a hard one where my body went through a lot and I don't really feel like my body is fine, so you never really know, but it, I have to eat really healthy, I have to exercise, I have to have balance in every other aspect of my life there's a lot that goes through it than just the session so yeah,
0: so I guess a couple of things so the spiritual surgeons couldn't just go and heal somebody out of the blue the way they did with you when you were in Mayo. they kind of need an intermediary at least for the person to tune in and cooperate and want the healing and so on. So I guess you serve that function. And and then maybe you could also.
1: Is it the same surgeon?
0: Is it the same surgeons every time Irene wants to know that work it's with you? Or is it a whole collection? Of they're these?
1: different. They're different for every different position of the body, right? It's like oh, having a heart so
0: surgeon. So they're neurosurgeons and heart right. surgeons. and
1: Right. I can remember talking to Evan Alexander again, like, I just did a brain healing and they use this tool. And I described the tool. He's like, oh, yeah. And I'm like, well, you're so matter of fact. Oh, yeah. Like, I'm like, really? Oh, yeah. <laughs> is that what it looks like. So it's sometimes I'll actually see the tool that they're using. But basically, what I'm seeing is different nurses coming in, right? I'm seeing different doctors come in. But I do know that God works through them because some people go, well, I don't want different entities working on me. But God works through all of them at the same time, having that divine connection with you speaking to you because the the words that come through are directly coming as messages of maybe things that you went through in your life, lessons that need to be healed, trauma. So while I'm speaking about this happening, I'm now also speaking about things that have happened in your life. There's just so much.
0: In Hinduism, they have these celestial beings that they call the Ashwins, who are like the divine physicians. So what it what it kind of sounds like here is that there's a whole profession on the yes. other side of divine or spiritual physicians who actually, just like on earth, have specialties and subspecialties and running around tending to people, earthly people.
1: Well, it's interesting because somebody asked Father Tracy, what are you going to do when you go to heaven? And he says, "I'm going to help people on Earth like I did here
0: when nice.
1: I was here." Nice. And nice. so we think about it. Maybe those spiritual surgeons are like, "Well, that was my passion. That was my mission here on Earth. I want to continue that on the other side." Yeah,
0: that's a good point. Yeah, they might have been earthly doctors. Mm-hmm. That's cool, Irene. You have a question?
1: Two people that needed heart surgery. It be the same heart surgeon, or would they oh, each? Surgeons
0: just
1: with their own. So, do individuals have an affinity for certain surgeons? Well, it's interesting. I'm not the one that calls upon the surgeons. You know, I'm not the one that orchestrates. Yeah, you don't know the, who's going to show up. I'm walking into the healing room as the proxy. I'm the patient. So God's bringing everyone else that's going to be there.
0: Right. Whoever orchestrates.
1: So I remove my humanness aside. God orchestrates the session. I see a beam of light coming down. I always say, imagine a beam of light coming down and going right into your solar plexus. And that's going to hold you in this room. We're going to all three become
0: one. Yeah, so just as I was saying with Father Nathan Castle, who helps stuck souls cross over, you have a different function, which is helping people heal, again, with the intercession or aid of people on the other side who perform certain tasks. So it does seem that there are just two examples right there of the fact that apparently these beings on the other side need a, a human being as an anchor point or a conduit or a, an aid or something in order to intercede more effectively with people's lives. They couldn't probably do it as well without you.
1: Right. And it's taken me a long time to get to this space because there's a lot of trust that goes with this. You have to have a direct connection. You have to have that trust. And and I know that I had to walk the walk to prove that I really would stand and do this mission. So just by signing that line didn't mean that that was the only thing I had to go through. I had to continue to heal myself and go to deep things that were within me that I had to heal with the help of the divine. I lost my former husband. We had a wonderful marriage, but this was just far too greater for him to walk.
0: Too weird for him or something.
1: Yeah, so I lost all stability that was yeah. around me. And so everything in my life changed. And was I willing to make that change to do this work?
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And I said, I stood in my truth. And That's what I did.
0: People are often tested that way. I mean, most of Jesus' disciples were fishermen and stuff. And he said, you know, you want to be fishermen, fisherman? You want to come with me? They exactly. Had to give it up.
1: And pets can be healed too.
0: Yeah, I imagine they can. Yeah. yeah,
1: I did one for Suzanne Wilson. I don't know if you've known her. She's a medium, her dog, and they weren't too sure what was going on with, with Baron. So this is fascinating. So I go into the session, I have Baron's picture, and now I'm hearing Baron talk to me. And I'm like, what? And I'm like, okay, well, our language is universal. What do you want? He's like, I want lavender oil you want lavender oil. I don't bring oils into my healing. I want lavender oil. I was like, Okay. I'm sure I have some lavender somewhere. And I did. And so I rubbed it on my hands. I like, go, do you feel better? He's like, yep. So we went in and, and it was told exactly what was going on with his body, even to something in his, like his toe that the owner didn't know. So when the healing was done, it was like Baron knew he laid there the entire time. And to the time that I text her, that it's done, Baron got up. And so she listens to it and she says, I'm falling off my chair. I put lavender oil on Baron's head every night before he goes to bed oh, to relax. him. <laughs> so I said, "Hmm, I wonder if every dog is like that. Let me test this. Right. Could this be just something that they all like? So I brought it up for my dog and it was like, get that away from me. I don't even want to smell it. (laughs) It even (laughs) sees the jar and it runs. So it was just forbearing, and that relaxed them. And Ah. so they, and it ended up being everything that was told is what transpired with the vets.
0: That's interesting. So another thing you said a few minutes ago, you were talking about during a healing, you didn't specify how often, but people very often have like out of body experiences or they see beings on the other side and it sounds like they open up to a whole mystical realm that is not normal for them. How common is that among people you're healing?
1: Almost all of them. Cuz what happens is whether they're just present in the room and I feel the divine coming in, they might have this connection of spirit to spirit where you're feeling that love that's undeniable and they're start crying and then they hear words. God might say we're going to take a series of three deep breaths. You're going to come out. You're going to walk with me, and I'm going to take you to a space. And then when they get to a space, sometimes they'll say, look at the landscaping. Look what's around you. See what you can see. I did on a little girl that was from Russia, and she told her daddy because she didn't listen to it yet. And I'm telling her, look, what do you see? What do you see? What, what kind of things do you see? And she's like, I saw dolphins jumping. I saw this beautiful water. So she was seeing the landscape that I was telling her before she even listened to say, look, so we were connected on soul to soul level already. But sometimes they'll just go to a space too. I had one that was really, really amazing. This one was taken to the space and a big angel came. So the divine is standing next to her and this angel starts to walk forward and is carrying a little baby. And puts the baby into her arms. I now see it's a girl. I get to witness, I get to be there, I get to watch and observe and and describe and talk what's what I'm seeing was happening. And God puts his arm around her and says, There is no judgment. Stop judging yourself. What you needed to do is what you needed to do.
0: What did she have an abortion or something?
1: What happened is she called me and said Me and my husband had to make a choice. This was early on. We had just found out we were pregnant. We didn't know the sex yet, but I had just found out a cancer and I was going to die. The baby would have died if I didn't do this. We never told anyone. We thought we'd be judged. We didn't tell our family. We didn't tell anyone. So with you saying this, how would you know? And it relieved her of all that guilt. And that was some of the pain that she was holding on to that was causing her to have issues in her body. Interesting. So it's things like that, that, I mean, I'll say things like when you were seven, this is what happened to you. I had this one woman that she didn't think she was going to survive even to make it to the session. And she had, I think, bone cancer. And I saw her as a little girl and then I saw her standing next to it. So I was kind of confused. Like, are we going to the girl? Is that hers? What's going on? Well, then I heard, you know, this is her as a little girl. So at the age of seven, your mother was sick. Your dad was abusive and he got so angry at you. He took you outside and he shot your puppy in front of
0: you. You saw this and said that to her.
1: Yes. Now remember.
0: That's pretty specific.
1: So now I'm going to, when you're done with that session, you're like, holy cow. You know, I'm saying some pretty heavy stuff. There comes that trust. There comes that voice. This isn't my voice. This is my message. So. She emails back and says, I've forgotten about that because I pushed it way, way down. I thought as a child, I just dealt with it. But my mother was dying and my father was angry and he did. We had several puppies. He shot them. And she goes, that was so traumatic in my life. And that healed. And she ended up being healed.
0: So you're saying the trauma from the shooting of the puppies had been causing her health problems and healing that trauma helped heal the health problems?
1: Exactly. And sometimes as a child, we don't know how to heal. We don't know how to express. We don't even know that we're holding on to emotions that are hurting us. We don't right. even know how to explain that. And so you just continue on going on in, within your life. But consciously, that's always there.
0: Obviously, mean, there's so many millions of people in the world, who probably over a billion, who have something seriously wrong with them and could use some kind of healing. So in a way, what you're doing is just a drop in the bucket. It seems like it's a really special privilege for someone to get a healing of this sort, considering how many people could potentially use one.
1: Right. And like I said, not always will we go to the root problem. I don't know what's going to transpire in every session. Everyone is different. So I have to walk in because if I humanly tried to control it, it wouldn't work. I have to totally remove my mind my body, everything, just be the vessel for everything that's going to transpire. So yeah, it's miraculous when you hear somebody from Shanghai, China, that was already healed of her with her eyes being healed before she even received the MP4 of the recording before she even listened to it, just shows you how energy travels. You can stay in your sacred space. You can receive it.
0: Yeah, I agree with that and don't have any comment on it. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, distance is not an issue. It's not an obstacle.
1: No, but everybody wants to be in person. And I'm like, trust me, it's better not to be. I'm not doing them in person. You're you're not
0: zapping them with your hands or something. There's something more fun. Greater than that.
1: You know what? I can get more of a team in if you're not in the room. Mm
0: -hmm. I have no
1: distractions because you're not going to cough. You're not going to go cry. You're not going to do anything, but you can be crying on your end. You can be laying in your bed. You can be wearing pajamas. You could be outside. In nature taking a walk when it's happening, like what whatever you want to do. It just opens that much more up and available to them. And plus when people come, then they want to talk about it and I don't remember it. Yeah. It's not my word. So it's like a deer in headlights, and they're like, I said what? <laughs> <laughs> huh? It's <this> funny. <laughs> I'll often say, you know, I know God said something really, really miraculous at the beginning of the tape. When you listen to it, could you write it down for me?
0: (laughs) Do you listen to these tapes yourself after the uh, healing?
1: I have gone back to some of them because there are so many profound messages. I'm like, can I use this? Can I use this? And one of the messages that I'm going to post about, which I really think people really need to hear, humanly, we put limitations on ourselves by what we're diagnosed with. So if you were told that your friend just came down with Alzheimer's, we'd go, oh, oh, I feel so bad for him. Because our brain now knows what Alzheimer's supposed to do. So God says, but you're limiting yourself to what the science gave a name, a name to it. There is no name to it. Don't limit, get out of the name and just allow me to heal.
0: Are you saying that by imposing that limitation, we more or less solidify the likelihood of Alzheimer's, whereas if we didn't, then somehow healing would be more likely?
1: Well, think about it. If we own it, a lot of us go and Google everything. Oh, my gosh. You know, I'm going to have this surgery and and they say that it's going to be awful and I'm going to have cramping for days or I'm not going to be able to walk or whatever is there. That list now we're digesting. This is what's going to happen to me. And so it's almost kind of like that saying, I am the everything that follows it will follow you. Mm -hmm. And so the, I am, I am going to have that pain. I am, I'm reading it. I'm digesting it. I'm feeling it. i am subconsciously owning it where don't give your body that title. Okay. The doctor gave me that title. I know what it is, but instead of me owning it, I'm just going to send love to it. I love you. What do you want me to learn from you? Why are you showing up for me? We all know love heals. When you get an embrace from a loved one, you feel good. A child that's sick, we nourish them through love. We take care of them. So I call them My God is Love Healings because it's all about love.
0: I'm reminded of Anita Morjani. You know her story, I'm sure, who <laughs> had like terminal cancer. She was basically on her deathbed. She couldn't hold her head up. It was like a bowling ball because her muscles were so weak. And she went into this near death experience. And then when she came out within two weeks, she was totally all healed from this terminal cancer she had. And there's never been a a remission all these years. And she just has this forget it, I'm done with that attitude.
1: Right. I walked through it. I did it once. I have this little boy that I know, and he is so connected with spirit. And one of the things that he says is, Okay, I'm done with this game. Can we play a new one? <laughs>
0: yeah. Isn't
1: that the best term? Right. Can we just let's move on?
0: All right. Yep. Been there, done that. <laughs> Moving on. Yeah, I love it. A <laughs> yeah. couple of questions came in from guests. Let's see what those are. So here's one from a person in Sweden named Kosh Erdine. Can a child be healed that according to three different shamans is suffering from possession of negative energy? He has Down syndrome, the child, but was normal and happy. And then about two years ago, suddenly stopped communicating and started laughing and crying without reason. They're getting help from conventional medicine, but these three shamans think that the child is possessed by some negative energy. What do you think about that?
1: 100%. You can heal that. I have done it. In fact, I have an Army for Love group. We meet once a month on Tuesdays. And that was one of the questions somebody asked me that was on the group. He always heard this voice telling him negative things, but they were so real. Like you just hit that person. You just hit that person. He would take his car and go back and look. Cause he really felt he hit that person, right? It was that real, but he, he knew when it started happening, he described that to the group. Then another person said, well, I hear those voices too. So we did a mini healing live on the gathering, all of us, and removed it.
0: Nice. I'll be putting a link to your Army of Love group on your BatGap page and also to your website and your Facebook and Instagram and YouTube channels and all that. You can go to Deborah's BatGap page and get all those links. Here's a question from Karen Werner in Encino, California. What recommendation do you have if someone is experiencing negative energy for two years or what appears to be bad luck? The energy seems to stick. Does one keep plowing through or what might one do?
1: I would ask like, is this a friend of hers that she wants healed, but maybe the friend doesn't want to be healed. Some people want to be in that for attention. Hmm. They like that. Or it sounds like she just is like
0: maybe herself, her own situation.
1: There's a lot of layers there, but to answer what I think she's asking, should she plow through this? She has no choice. She has to continue to go walk forward. How I always say Imagine yourself in a dark room. You have that darkness around you. Now I want you to, to imagine yourself putting a white bubble around yourself and step into that bubble, be into that. So the light always puts out dark. You could even imagine you like in a dark room and now you switch the switch on. So that's getting the light there for you. Now, if this is something that is really attached then you need to ask the divine for assistance to come and pull that off. And then your work is to stand in that faith and command it. You're not a part of me. I don't want you to go away. In the name of God, I command you to go away. And just keep saying it and saying, 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 saying that I'm only of light. If you're of dark, you got to go away. And in time, it's just going to be like, they're not listening to me anymore. This is crazy. I'm just going to go find someone else.
0: (laughs) That's great. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, her question was a little general and she might've been referring to a lot of different things, but I, there was a song, I remember Cream did a rendition of the song called Born Under a Bad Sign. And and the lyric was, if it wasn't for bad luck, I wouldn't have no luck at all. But True. a lot of times people create that kind of so-called luck for themselves by hanging around with the wrong people or consuming the wrong substances True. and just creating circumstances in their life that just handicap. But they
1: them. have to change. Yeah. Right. Right. They have to see I can't hang out with those people. I have to change this. And so recognize, like, like you're saying, recognize where you're at, what the changes are, and what you're learning from this. Because I really believe everything we go through, there's a lesson, right? If you learn the lesson, you can pretty much say goodbye to it.
0: I remember my father used to chain smoke and, you know, he would say, oh, my sinuses, is this humidity you know, the weather, <laughs> but he's chain smoking. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My
1: father would keep all the, but he couldn't open the
0: windows because Oh, did you hear that? <laughs> yeah, that's funny. <laughs> <laughs> all righty, let's do another question here. This one is from uh Mark Peters. I know, Mark, um, from Santa Clara, California. Do you accept a healing session for a third party without their knowledge, or does the process only work with the full cooperation of the ailing person?
1: Thank you, Mark, for asking that, because I get a lot of questions with people saying, can I do a healing for someone that doesn't know? Um, the answer is yes. We do prayers for people all the time without them knowing this is all about love, what your intentions are about love. I do have a YouTube that shows a woman that had a session for her mother. Her mother was an alcoholic. She was mean. And they're like, we don't know what to do anymore. So we did the session and she stopped drinking. And she's, they're like, not only did you heal her, you gave us a healing by having our mother back. And they never told her mother that she had a healing.
0: That's great. And this is with your whole Army for Love group?
1: That was just a session I do.
0: With you. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah. So I do group sessions, group healings, and I do private healings.
0: May I ask how much you charge for the healings?
1: I don't like to say.
0: All right. Probably says on the <laughs> website or you can, somehow people have to find out.
1: Yeah. They just, it's better that they email me what they want. And then we have different things that they can look at.
0: Here's a question from Irene here. Do some people have ailments that have less to do with events from the current life? You often refer to the current life events as causes, but some people carry issues from ancestors or from past life karma?
1: Yes, yes. Sometimes in a healing, I may have to go to magnetic genetics and the magnetics that we're aligned with. So think about it this way. We go back in a time where one of our ancestors lived in the war time and the fear that they had and the anxiety that they have and maybe the poor. Right. So now they have anxiety. That anxiety is now coming through the chain of the family and you have anxiety. So we want to now magnetically let that go. You're still part of that family, but we don't want to keep that magnetic just because that was your journey. I don't need that journey. And so we get rid of that.
0: That's another thing that comes up in a lot of different spiritual traditions is sort of ancestral karma. And some traditions have ceremonies and all to dissipate or dissolve that ancestral karma. Right.
1: And I believe, you know, there's not one or what do you want to say? There's not just one way to heal. There's there's, That's why we have so many different healers. There's all different ways.
0: Here's another question. This is from Larry Marr from New York. I was talking on the phone a few years ago with a spiritual person. I said, if I had some proof of God, I'd really believe. Just that a bolt of lightning struck in my backyard. It shook the guy on the phone <laughs> and me with a huge bang. Coincidence? Not sure.
1: I would say when you say, was it a coincidence? Then it's not a coincidence. It's those things that are unknown that we question. And you just have to just accept It's a knowingness. And you laugh at that and it, it, it shook him. I would ask him back like how did you feel at that moment? Like whoa, it got your attention and that was what it was supposed to do.
0: Yeah. My sense of the proof of God, I'll just throw this in for Larry's sake is that just look at anything in nature, look at a leaf, look at an ant, you know, look at a cell under a microscope and you're observing incredibly vast, intricate intelligence having fabricated this thing that could not possibly have arisen through accident. Um and then and then Consider that this that anywhere you went in the entire universe, if you look closely enough, you'd see that intelligence at work or at play, and uh, there you have it: omnipresence of divine intelligence, if you want to call it divine.
1: Exactly, that's beautiful.
0: Yeah. I didn't quite ask you this. You were talking about one twenty-one twelve when you had that conversation with God, and you're suggesting I asked you what this heavenly place looked like and what did God look like.
1: Yeah, so that's why I was describing that beam of white. It was like translucent right in front of you. And you could see the outline, like wearing the robe. And I I saw the eyes. I did see this incredibly blue, 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 blue eyes. But I don't want you limited that to what God looks like, because it comes in many forms for right. you to recognize. So that's why I don't usually say what my God looked like is the same God your God's gonna look like.
0: Yeah. Some people even say that when when you die, Hindus might see Krishna, and Christians might see Jesus, and Muslims might see Muhammad, and somehow we're presented with something that we're going to be familiar with. That's what I
1: believe. I believe that. I believe that because it's like what we recognize. People say, well, what church is the right church? Some people say, well, my church, you know, I'm Catholic. That's the most important. And it's like, well, I'm not going to judge you because I look at them as all schools. And if we're all going to learn and we get that connection, that's where we need to be. That's why when you do pass, you're going to recognize it for what you learned.
0: When somebody starts talking that way to me, I start talking about astronomy. There are more stars in the universe than there are grains of sand on all the beaches in the world. And we're now finding that most of those stars have planets around them, and Mm -hmm. a fairly good percentage of planets are in the so-called Goldilocks zone that could potentially support life. So there are probably trillions of advanced civilizations, each of them probably having developed numerous religions, and most of those religions probably thinking that theirs was the only one. Right.
1: (laughs) It's fascinating when you start thinking outside the box, right? What else exists out there?
0: I think it's kind of an ego thing. My way is the best way. You know, it makes you sort of feel.
1: Well, and that's the thing is when we do this type of work, we have to remove our ego. Yeah. You know, it's not going to work if you're going to come in with ego. If if I said I was the one healing people, it's not going to work.
0: I mean, yeah, because Deborah Martin can't do something to somebody in Shanghai or someplace like that Mm -hmm. if if your life depended on it.
1: Right. I wouldn't know them. I wouldn't know these things. Mm -hmm. Yeah, exactly.
0: I mean, saying another question. You mentioned that this healing technique, as far as you know, no one else in the world is doing it. You just feel like it's some unique ability. I mean, obviously, there are all kinds of healers, and some of them do it remotely, like Reiki healing and various other things. But you haven't run into anybody else who seems to do this in the way you do.
1: Well, I say that it's not being done anywhere else in the world because no one would have the same connection as me. I'm solely having my own connection work at God working through me as an individual, as the instrument. So if another person decides, okay, I'm going to do this similar technique, it's still going to be different because we each have our own way of belief, our own way of trust, our own way of interpreting what's happening. I can give all my techniques that I'm doing and somebody might say, well, I'm going to try that and maybe it'll work for them. I don't know. I I can't teach it because it's like a trust that I have built in a relationship. And so they may too, but I really believe then we still are doing it differently because we're both individually different.
0: Sure. Just like every composer is going to be different or every thumbprint is different. We just all have our unique spin on on things, even though there might be some similarities.
1: I don't know of anyone doing anything like this.
0: Right. Here's a question from Tim Reeves in the UK. He has been in recovery for 13 years from alcohol and he's working in a 12-step program, but he cannot get rid of the resentment towards his father for not being there. He feels that the rejection trauma is still a part of him and affects him physically. How can he heal from this?
1: It's interesting because that's probably what started his alcoholism in the first place. So he's already done the first step of getting rid of that. So good job because that's a big deal. Going deep is having to... Go to those spaces that hurt. We have to feel to heal. We have to see those things. But I want you to, if you could right now, you're listening, just close your eyes and see your dad right there, whether he is alive or on the other side. What would be said to you would be similar to that was his journey. What he did and what he said to you was because of the own anger and things that he held within him. He did not mean to put the shame on you, even though you think that he did because you digested it. And that's how he acted out. But now I want you to see him and hand this back over to him and say, it didn't serve you here. Take this from me. You take it back. This was your journey. I no longer want it. I learned from it. I walked through it and I'm healed from it. So thank you very much.
0: My dad was an alcoholic and abusive and all that stuff. So I went through a lot of rough things as a kid. And my mother was in and out of mental hospitals during most of my adolescence. But I think if I were in his shoes, uh, he was a sensitive man, a professional artist. And he had to go through World War Two. And he was a machine gunner in the tail of a bomber. And he saw his friends blown to bits and all kinds of things. So, you know, got to cut him some slack. I was pretty messed up when I was a teenager. And if I had had to go to war on top of that, I don't know if I ever would have recovered. Obviously, I didn't think this way when I was in the midst of all that trauma when I was a kid. But now looking back, I say, all right, Dad, I I hope you're doing well. And I don't know if I could have done any better if I had gone through what you went through. So there's a lot of forgiveness and appreciation for all the good things you did. I think that would be maybe good advice for this Tim fellow.
1: Well, and also it created you to be who you are now, too you learned a lot from it. But people that have been abused, it's like, how do I forgive somebody that has abused me? They're having their own issues. You can forgive, but you don't have to forget.
0: Right. And forgiveness, sometimes you hear these things like, I remember about 10 years ago, some gunman came into an Amish community Uh, in Pennsylvania and killed a whole lot of people. And like the next day on the news, they're saying, we forgive him and we're, it's like, do they really? Is that the depth of their faith that they're actually, I mean, isn't there going to be some kind of process or are they just saying that? I well, think maybe sometimes they, maybe they, they are, just you know? have
1: to because it's part of their healing. This guy was not all there and we just need to surround him in love so that when he goes to the other side, you know, he can heal,
0: yeah. but
1: what he did, we can't control. So if we're going to hold on that anger of what he did, it's not going to serve me or my loved one that passed from it.
0: I think they were like baking pies and bringing it to his parents I remember that things yeah. like that. I thought, wow, that is so beautiful. You yeah. know, beautiful example.
1: Love, love in action.
0: Yeah. Earth is a challenging place sometimes. It is. You know, it I is. mean, think of the Sandy Hook parents or various other things like that. Just today, I received an email from somebody and I had made some comment in an email about God. And she said, well, God is obviously not in Ukraine. And I thought, God is... Totally in Ukraine and Ukraine is in God. I mean, they, God is, doesn't have holes in him. He's omnipresent. But it's easy for people to see the difficulties in the world sometimes and think there couldn't possibly be any kind of benign Lord of the universe because there's too much cruelty in life.
1: In times like that, the Ukrainians are seeing the blessings. That's what's giving them the courage to continue to walk through. And that's what we need to do. It's not like if there was a God, everything's going to be perfect you know, we are human and we cause these things to happen. It's not God creating these things for us. We do it to ourselves. But in the midst of it all, you'll see like an angel in the cloud. I've seen them posting things like that. Or you see that they were all protected at one moment. And I've done many prayers for Ukraine. And I can see that the power of prayer, look at how well they are doing. Like we have to see the blessings. Sometimes we we get caught up in seeing all the negative, 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 that we stop seeing the blessings that are right in front of us. And I really believe that they're seeing the blessings in order to get through it.
0: Yeah. I also think sometimes people anthropomorphize God and and think, okay, well, if God were really a good guy, then it would be all unicorns and butterflies and we wouldn't have all this negative stuff. But It seems to me that if you're going to have a universe, you have to have polarities. You have to have pairs of opposites. Planets have to get hit by asteroids. Stars have to explode in order to have heavy elements to make up our bodies. And probably people were killed when those stars exploded or beings. So God is not necessarily what we, in our simple little way, might idealize that he should be. And I say he, it's obviously not a he.
1: Me too. I always say he too. But I think too, when we think about it, it's like, If everything was always just one way, we wouldn't see the blessings. We wouldn't see the miracles. We'd stop learning.
0: Yeah. Yeah, that's an interesting point. Let's dwell on that a little bit about the learning value of difficulties. You alluded to it a couple of times.
1: Okay, so I went through cancer and I get cancer. I'm a healer. I'm healing hundreds of people. Are you kidding me? I've been through car accidents. I think I've been through enough. So you gotta walk through your emotions. I'm not telling you to put your emotions aside. Emotions are real. And so I'd walk through like, Are you kidding me? This is really happening right now? Do I tell people? They're gonna think like, Well, if you're a healer and you get cancer, hmm and I was like, Well, you have to be open to the truth. So I said, All right, I'm gonna have this journey with cancer. This is what I can do. So as a healer I was stage four. So do I now go and through the radiation and the chemo or do I just heal? For my own self, everybody's different. But for my own self, I heard from spirit say, you use every tool in the toolbox because we created that for you. So I'm going to walk through chemo and go, oh, gosh. I need to bless these pills. You want me to bless these pills? I don't even want to digest these pills. 19 of them. And I would do every day, one pill at a time. I would bless it. Thank you. And as I kept doing that, I was now okay with the fact I was taking it. Radiation. That's scary. I hear this is going to end up hurting. You know, you're going to have side effects. And I'm like, I just need to be in the present. So I, my radiation time was my God time. God gave me the name Army for Love. From my radiation build your army around you who's going to be there to support you to love you to be walk with you but know at the same time that number four that I have spirit is around you they walk in front of you to guide you they're behind you to catch you and they walk beside you to lift you and so I built my army but as I was going through cancer you know we always hear fight that cancer you can do this, kick its ass. Right. <laughs> and I was like, that doesn't feel right. Now, if I do love healings, I'm going to send love to the cancer. So I decided to embrace my body with love. Wow. You're magnificent. Look what you've been doing for me all these years. I don't know what you're here for. So now I talk to my cancer. What lesson do you want me to learn? What possible lesson do you want me to learn out of you? So as I walked through it, I was giving grace. Gratitude really helps when you're in a state of your body being frustrated. If you're frustrated because your body's not doing what it wants to do, or you can't walk or you're sick or you can't eat. Frustration is resistance. You want to send it love instead and walk through it. So I ended up with the lesson in the end, I used to call my cancer. Okay, you're the beast inside me. And at the end... I called it my beauty in the beast as I saw the beauty that it came to show me. And what it showed me was I always felt I had enough compassion for people when I was healing them. I had no idea what people went through with cancer. I had no idea. I, I was healing people from the outside looking in. Now that I've had it, I'm walking with them. I've done that journey. I know what they went through. I know their their fears. I know what they think and I I just say ask it. What do you want to learn from it? So that when I was done, I said thank you and goodbye.
0: That's interesting. I'm glad you mentioned the thing about getting the conventional treatment because I have friends, one of my dearest friends in this life died of colon cancer and she was fooling around with alternative things for a long time whereas if she'd gone and gotten the traditional treatment early and they caught it early, which they could have when she started having symptoms, she probably wouldn't have died. And, you know, I have friends who died of COVID who didn't want to get vaccinated and all. And it's it's just so unnecessary.
1: And that's why I call my book, Doctors, Faith, and Courage, because Uh it's everything combined.
0: Yeah. Whatever works.
1: Yeah. And some people don't have faith, but they have their doctors. You have to have faith in your doctors. So you do have a little faith. I will call you out on that one.
0: (laughs) And that is not to say that there have been horrendous outcomes from the pharmaceutical industry. And they've rightfully been sued for billions of dollars in some cases and, and all that. But you just can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. You have to be nuanced and say, all right, they've done some terrible things, but they've also saved hundreds of millions of lives. 300 million people died of smallpox in the 20th century alone, but now there's a vaccine and hardly anybody ever does anymore.
1: It's here for you, not against you. Yeah, yeah. It was created for you. And there's better results from having it than not. Right. It's just that that's the facts. And you have to look at that and just do what's right for you. But there should be no judgments either way.
0: And there are adverse effects from treatments that in general help people, but sometimes they kill people or harm people. And it's a numbers game. You know, you go with the odds, I guess. And the odds are pretty good in in the case of many of these things.
1: I say go with your intuition because Mm -hmm. you'll have a knowingness within. If you really sit and be present with yourself, my intuition was telling me to use every tool in the toolbox. That's my intuition is God speaking to me. Yeah, I think if you go with your brain and your ego and this toughness, It's not going to get you anywhere. But if you go to that intuition, what do you feel in that heart? What do you feel? What's really right for you? You won't be led wrong.
0: You know, the story about the guy in the flood that calls out to God for help. So first the waters are rising and he says, help me. Help, help. So boat comes along. He says, no, no, I don't need the boat. God's going to help me. And then the water gets higher and something else comes along. Finally, a helicopter comes. He says, I don't need it. God's going to help me. And finally he drowns. He goes to heaven. and He said, God, where were you? I asked for help. He said, hey, I sent you a couple of boats and a helicopter.
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's how it is, right? Yeah. You have to see the blessings within that surround you. That's there for you. Sometimes we block them because we just think it's one way. It's not just one way.
0: Yeah. We already talked about people enlisting your services to help a loved one who didn't even know she was being helped, the alcoholic woman. So that's interesting. What percentage, let's say, of your healing sessions are done for people who don't even know they're getting them or who wouldn't have come to you willingly, but say, all right, I'll do it if you're paying for it or whatever? And the, some loved one has it done for them. And How do their results compare with those who are gung-ho and totally believe in what you're doing?
1: You know, I don't really compare them because each is different. One person that could be so gung-ho still might might not receive exactly what their miracle they're looking for, because I believe miracle comes in many different forms. Like Brenda, we thought she was completely healed, and she got a different form of a miracle. Do a lot of people come? I get that pretty often. A lot of times, they'll place them in a group healing And that's what this woman did, too. Now, the other woman actually had a private for her, but it just depends on what you want to do.
0: How many people are in the group healings?
1: I don't limit it. So I could have anywhere from 11 to I could have 25. The more that gather, we're always that same intention. The more that gather, that energy just kind of bounces. And I find that the more that there are like in the groups, I'm like, here we go. You know, like, this is awesome because we're gathering around the world and that just electrifies the vibrations. and the room's just full. So it really doesn't matter how many are there. But I have all their pictures and everybody touches my body. So they're all going to receive at the same time. What do you mean they touch your body? I lay their picture instead of on my abdomen near my body.
0: I see. I see. Okay. All
1: the way around me. Yeah. It's interesting. I'll get feedback and I'll be like, oh, wow, there were five people that had a knee injury and they were healed of their knee injury. Hmm. So it's like God forms what he's going to work. All right. We're going to get the knee surgeons, get the people with the knees here today. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah. So you're saying really that the group healings aren't a diluted version of the individual healings. They could even be more effective, perhaps.
1: The difference is, is you're not getting an individual message. You're not getting individual one-on-one session. So the words that come through, I say, own them as if they're coming through to you, but they're being said to the group, I'm not going to just pick up your picture and say, this is for you. So there is a big difference, but I've seen great results with both.
0: For some reason, these days, a lot of people keep telling me about Dr. Joe Dispenza. Are you familiar with his work? Mm Mm-hmm he has all these healings going on and apparently there is some kind of a you know higher being intercession or involvement which is perhaps facilitating the healing of all these people
1: it's like decoding it's like changing your brain because they will work on the brain as well our brain's like a computer and if it starts to spin like we have issues with our computer we have to reboot it we have to shut it down so if our brain is constantly saying, I am sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick, I'm sick for 13 years, <laughs> even though I Reinforce heal you, your it, yeah. brain is going to say, you're sick. And so we have to reboot that. Yeah. And so I think that's what he's doing a lot of be rebooting and resetting.
0: It's funny. I was in India one time for four months. And for the first couple of months, I was sick, but mainly just congestion and sometimes fevers and this and that, some dysentery or something. And people would ask me how I was doing. And I said, oh, lousy. My lungs are uh, I'd complain a little bit. And it reached a certain point at which I said, I'm going to try and experiment. So people started you know, how are you doing? And I would say, oh, I'm feeling great. You know, I'm really, really doing well. And within a few days, I was actually better. I wasn't sick for the rest of my stay there. I don't know if that was coincidental. Or <laughs> oh, or no,
1: that's because you're telling your body and your body is vibrating off of how you're really, you know, you're bringing joy and life to your body when you say it.
0: Yeah. It was right. Just...
1: You're not like, oh, look at me. Oh, look at me. There's a difference. <laughs> I have to say too, like, God has a sense of humor. He really does. There'll be some things that will come through, and I'll just start laughing. I'm like, oh, I have to tell you this. And we'll all laugh. I'll tell you this one story with the mental illness. I'm like, okay, this is kind of strange, but it's kind of fun too. We're gonna go on a spiritual journey. And um, I need you to hang on. Because we're going to hang on to an umbrella like Mary Poppins. And here we go. (laughs) Right. And so laughing. We're floating up to this another dimension on a Mary Poppins umbrella. Well, that was really important to her because she was from Germany and she learned English by watching Mary Poppins. They call her Mary Poppins because the way she packs her bags when she travels. And so Mary Poppins is like a big thing for her. So the fact that God used that tool allowed her to know that it wasn't me speaking.
0: I wonder what supercalifragilisticexpialidocious (laughs) is in German.
1: (laughs) (laughs) That's funny.
0: (laughs) That must have been a tough one. We have a little bit of time left if you want. I think another question came in. This is from Janice Kern in Colorado. I think you just covered it. Are individual healings as effective as group healings? Can one join a group session if you're booked out for several months or a year?
1: What's wonderful is a lot of people join the group because they feel like it's activating and starting and setting in, like it's preparing them for their big healing that's coming so that they will join before.
0: So in other words, they could do some group ones for a while and, and, while waiting for their individual one.
1: Exactly. In fact, I've had one lady that's all she's done is groups and she's done one only sometimes we do it every other month sometimes we were doing it depends so like she may have done 12 or 10 in a year and she's learned so much you can see her spirituality that's open she now is like oh, Deborah, as soon as you taste the medicine, because we'll get administered medicine too from the spiritual surgeons. She's like, before you even say it, I can feel it, I can taste it just like you. So she's so connected and in sync with me because she's used to how I work ah. that now she's taking it on just instant. It's beautiful to watch.
0: Yeah, it's interesting. She's kind of becoming an expert in her own right.
1: Yeah.
0: Is there anything else that you want to discuss or any more stories you want to tell or anything else in our remaining time together?
1: I just think that, you know, be open to whatever the healing should be for you. What is your miracle? We sometimes put limitations on what we want to be healed. Just open your heart to allow what you feel God needs to be healed, because maybe there's something within you that needs to be healed that you're not aware of and that we can heal the element or illness along with that. Because sometimes people come in with just, this is the only way this is the only thing I need. And it's not.
0: When so they might thing, have a lung problem, let's say, but there's really an underlying problem that you got right. to get or, right.
1: or your body, think about it. When one thing's off, other things are off balanced. Right. So if you're going to take your car in to get service, don't you want it to get the full deal to yeah. look at everything? Or do you just want it to go, Oh, I'll just fix that little hose right there. Even though there's two hoses over here that need fixing. I only want the one, Sure, you know? So, we want to look at the whole body collectively and give it what it needs and not just limit it. And I think that's the whole thing is if I was to give a tool to anyone here today, I would be like, don't put the diagnosis as it's the end. Only, you know, that only God knows that, you know, sometimes doctors will say, well, you only have a month to live. They don't really know they're going after their protocol. And so stand in your own truth. And walk through it, and in the meantime, continue to send love to yourself, honor yourself, because I believe when we when we honor ourselves and with love, we're also spreading it. It radiates.
0: Yeah, I mean, look at Eben Alexander. He, he, the doctors were saying this guy has about a one percent chance of living, and if he does live, he's going to be a vegetable. And you no, know, he's this brilliant guy living his life, and Anita Johnny for that matter. I mean, there's so many stories like that where there's no logical reason why the person should still be alive, but they did a profound turnaround.
1: Yeah. Well, the show on the Gaia network we did with the little girl that she should have died. She was in Boston, Massachusetts, seeing all the top doctors and they had said that it was fatal. And I'm telling her differently. Now tell tell yourself this one, you know, she's hearing all these things from the doctors and God says, don't listen to them listen to me. She'll be out in three weeks. She's like three weeks. I thought it'd be instant. Well, three weeks, you stand in your faith and you believe, believe, and it all worked out. She was out on the exact three weeks to the day. She was totally healed. So you just never know. There's so many things out there that are available to us.
0: There really are. I have some friends who are very skeptical and I, I don't think they would have made it this far into the interview if they had been listening but they're just skeptical of everything, <laughs> but I like them. They're they're, they're good people and intelligent, um, but
1: skepticism is okay too. Like I've had yeah. somebody that is totally skeptic about it and they were healed. You don't have to be a certain belief or a certain religion, or you even believe at all to receive because it is all love and and God loves you. So that actually makes it even more profound when it's like, all right, I'm just coming in to see what it's like. I did do a session for a gentleman that didn't believe in the healing at all. He's like, I'm doing this for my family. And he had Hodgkin's lymphoma of the brain and the spine. And it was gone complete in five days. Wow. And they said he had 2% chance of survival with most chemo and radiation. They actually did two, what is it? Spinal taps and brain scans just to see if the first test was accurate or not. He's like, why me? I said, why not? He was a scientist. He said, why me? I go, why not you?
0: Yeah. And in the beginning, you said that not everybody you treat gets healed. I guess we all have a contract with the body, so to speak. And for some people, the the contract may actually be up.
1: But you might feel the presence of love and then start to love yourself or heal something that you've been holding on to where you get a healing that helps you walk through with whatever you're going through. Yeah. So you, you always receive something. I 100% can't guarantee that you're going to be healed of cancer or you're going to be healed of a certain illness. I can say that I will put myself 100% in and offer my body up as an instrument and allow God to give what is meant to be at that moment.
0: Yeah, there's some spiritual traditions, like I'm thinking of a verse from the Gita, which says better is death in one's own dharma, meaning there are worse things that could happen to you than die. And that would, and that that would be to lose your evolutionary path to sort of stray so far from the path towards higher consciousness that you are kind of stuck for a long time. No one wants to die, and but we're all going to. But there are definitely are worse things that could happen to a person, in my opinion.
1: Yeah, I'm not afraid to die after everything. Yeah, that yeah. I'm, I'm not afraid to die. Do I want to leave? No. I mean, I have grandkids and yeah, having fun here. So you want to live life to the fullest as as you can while you're here and surround yourself with joy, love, happiness. And even in the darkest days, try to find one piece of joy.
0: Yeah, that's good. Well, maybe that's a good note to end on. It's a nice, inspiring thing (laughs) to say. And there's probably always a way to find that piece of joy or a reason to.
1: Oh, when I had cancer, I couldn't do laundry, nothing. And when I first got to put laundry in the laundry machine, I'm like, that brought me joy going, I can do this again. Or I look out the window and I see a bird and I could hear it chirping. That brought me joy. It doesn't mean that you have to do something to get it. It's all around us. Yeah. Notice it.
0: Yeah, that's good.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Alrighty. Well, thank you very much, Deborah. I've really enjoyed this conversation.
1: I enjoyed it too. It was nice getting to meet you and speak with you. It feels like we're sitting in the same room, just having a beautiful conversation.
0: Yeah, it always feels like that with these. Uh, that's kind of the way I like to do them as just a conversation between friends, you know?
1: Yeah, that's what it feels like. So thank yeah. you for being my friend.
0: Sure, you in my yeah, circle now. <laughs> likewise, oh, great, thank you. Um, so for all the other friends who are listening or watching this, uh, there's uh, over 200 of you right now. I hope you've enjoyed it. And we've lowered the frequency of our interviews lately to two a month. Hopefully, we'll get back up again. Irene's been going through some health issues, and she doesn't want to have to deal with all the administrative work that doing an interview every single week involves. So we've just lightened it up a little bit.
1: Well, and she needs to... I'm really glad that she's putting herself first. That's really important. She's honoring herself and her limitations.
0: Yeah, true. And she's instrumental in this whole thing. I mean, she does tons of administrative stuff and is very involved in choosing the guests. And she chose you.
1: Oh, blessed that she did. I'm going to reach out to her.
0: Okay. Thank you. And also for those listening and watching, even though the frequency is diminished somewhat, we certainly have hundreds of them to catch up on if you'd like to listen to some of the older ones. And, um, you know, you can be subscribed to the YouTube channel or set yourself up to be notified by email whenever I do a new one. There's a thing for that on the website and we'll keep them going. So thanks Thank again, Deborah. You.
1: Thank you. And I know that the frequency will never lose how strong you guys have created it to be. What do you mean by that? You've already had the connection with the people, with the universe, that connection will never go away. So if it's like mediumship. If I decide not to do it for a month, I still can do it. So take the time that you need and know that everyone will be waiting. That oh, frequency oh, okay. will never, ever lose.
0: Great. Yeah, another thing about this is 200 years from now, Hopefully, someone will be paying the hosting fees, and this will be on YouTube, and people can still watch these. So it's nice to leave a legacy like that, too.
1: It's beautiful, and I'm so blessed and honored to be part of that. Thank you.
0: Thank you so very much. Okay, so my next guest a couple weeks from now will be John Churchill. And I won't even try to explain what we're going to be talking about, but stay tuned for that. See you for the next one.
1: And blessings to all of you. Thank you.
0: Thanks, Deborah.